In this episode, Ishreen and I talk about authentic leadership. We talk to Neil Crofts, co-founder of Holos and Holocon, the annual leadership development conference. In our conversation, we talk about authentic leadership, what that means, and the key ingredients to being an authentic leader, such as our own personal authenticity and being our best selves skillfully in all situations, particularly when under pressure, and bringing the best selves out in other people and those around us. We talk about boss-style leadership versus authentic leadership. Can we still be directive in our leadership and be authentic? We talk about mastering compassion as a skill, even if it's not our normal go-to. Being authentic is not about letting all the crazy in you come out, but knowing how you show up as your best version of yourself and skillfully being that best version in all situations. On a day-to-day basis, this is a challenge. It can be tiring, but it can equally be tiring responding to challenges in inauthentic ways that may become the norm, because naturally we're not unkind people. But our environments, culture around us, particularly when we are short-term focus, pressured to deliver, can lead to behaviours that are not aligned with our best version of ourselves. So we need self-awareness, self-awareness of our triggers, self-awareness of what puts us into conflict and how we can mitigate against this. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast with me, Ishreen Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer at Belonging Pioneers. And me, Kami Nuttall, founder of Culture Lab Consultancy. Privilege is a conundrum that dilutes the culture of fairness at work. And as a leader, you recognize that your organization has more to do. You want to create success through connection and belonging, and you're unsure about how to make it happen. Now, the Privilege Eruption podcast is where you have the opportunity to evolve breakthrough thinking about the impact of power, privilege and purpose and how that shows up at work. And in these podcasts, you will gain the courage and confidence to realize a culture of inclusion for all. So I'd love to talk about a couple of case studies now. Um, And of course, everybody's Shiro at the moment is Jacinda Ardern, right, as an example of authentic leadership. Uh, Just uh, just to be clear, so she's um, everybody's Shiro and you know, highly respected because she stands for her values. She speaks openly. She's very clear about her purpose. She has integrity. And um, and she's led New Zealand through a number of challenges. And now she's resigned and she's been authentic about it. I'd love your perspectives on that because some people are like, wow, that's really great. And some people are well, should she have done that? Or did she just do it because she knew they were going to lose next time? You know? What? Um, so uh, the first thing I'm going to say is that one of the interesting things about, because a lot of people ask, well, who, who are the examples of authentic leadership? And, and of course, there are many examples of authentic leadership. But, but one thing about authentic leadership is because authentic leaders are not motivated by status, they're generally speaking not nearly as famous as the other ones, <laughs> uh, either in business or in politics. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, Jacinda Ardern is a, a a fantastic example of authentic leadership. And you know, if you think of that definition that I gave of 
uh, creating sustained success by enabling people to be the best version of themselves, you can see very clearly how she enabled people to be the best versions of themselves, how she created a very aspirational environment where people wanted to find ways to be better uh, mm-hmm. and where the role modeling that she gave and the the space that she gave and the her compassion and love and you know all of that and her inclusivity as well uh so uh you know i think that's that that's all that's all those are all sort of examples of how how authentic leadership works um in terms of resigning you know i, I think um there are the authentic leadership has big challenges and, and one of them is that people who are operating from a boss style leadership mentality don't regard authentic leadership as leadership at all all they see is weakness so if you think about the way that um uh, republicans described barack obama for example it it was it, it was all in terms of weakness he was weak um yeah. Because because it because authentic leadership just does not fit into the conception of what leadership is if you're in that mind space. Yeah. Uh, and so I can I, I don't know the details obviously, but I can easily imagine that the that the experience of of being a prime minister in um, in any country actually mm-hmm. is is quite is is quite destructive uh personally destructive and and there comes a point where um where where you 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 would want to call i mean in order to remain remain authentic you would want to call time because because authentic leadership is about being the best version of yourself yeah. and if you can no longer be the best version of yourself because you you you're burnt out or or because the environment is so taxing that you know then 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 i of course that's legitimate and um you know the the tragedy is that we're not we're not adequately training the next generation of authentic leadership the tragedy is that jacinda ardern is so special uh she's not unique i mean there are there are lots of other really good examples of authentic leadership in politics i wrote a i wrote an article of a couple of years ago and especially women interestingly um so um uh, uh, uh carol cadwallader i don't know if you the the guardian journalist uh you know extraordinary authentic leader uh greta thunberg uh another extraordinary uh um authentic leader so there, you know there are they 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 are about um uh, and and even, even in politics and we okay. need more yeah for sure and 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 in business as well but um for me it shows immense strength that she stepped down even if it is yeah. she can take the party to win the next election because her purpose is higher than herself and her integrity yeah. makes sure she follows through and for me that's the best example of authentic leadership doing what's best and then you contrast that you also contrast that with donald trump or jair bolsonaro or uh you know the 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 the, the contrast of of people who won't let go because it's the status that's driving them not the purpose yeah. so you know that that contrast between status and purpose again couldn't be clearer 
No, exactly. So my other favorite example is Steve Jobs. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, so now, now, okay. So we now, we also make a, another distinction, which is between ruler and visionary style leadership. So um, the 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 thing about rulers and visionary style leaders is that is that they they kind of arrive at the top fully formed. They don't go up through the ranks like the rest of us on the whole. Um, rulers and visionary style leaders are both a complete nightmare to work for. Um, rulers because of the loyalty that they demand. Uh, visionaries because of the commitment to the purpose that they demand. Yeah. Um, the difference between rulers and visionaries is that rulers impoverish the future and visionaries enhance the enrich the future. And and so Steve Jobs was a visionary style leader. He he was he was in that very and certainly later on he was deeply into that authentic space and the the Apple University that he created or that he he founded at Apple um to promote authentic style leadership in Apple uh, is a is a total case in point. I think he was a bit of a pain in the ass to begin with. But for later on, uh, he definitely became a, a, a sensational, authentic leadership and visionary, authentic leader and visionary. Yeah, um, he learned how to manage his authenticity productively, and I think that's um, it's kind of taking us on to the conversation about when it doesn't work so well unless you learn how to be effective with your authentic leadership, because I think. It, there's no doubt that for me that it was Steve Jobs' creativity and his vision that led to Apple being so successful. And he was kicked out for it, and then he was brought back in because they needed that ingredient. And um, I, I guess what you're saying, Neil, is that in his later years, he learned how to manage his authenticity in order to be effective. Is that so? So I would say. I would say this, wouldn't I? But I would say that that that, that authentic leadership is is benign, I and mean, it's just generally good. Um, I think there's a there is a there is a misconception that authentic leadership doesn't include being directive; that mm -hmm. it's just about being nice. And of course, that's not true. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as an if you're do if you're be if you're using authentic leadership, and the moment demands being directive because there's some kind of crisis, you know, yeah, 100%, you've got to be direct, directive. But the, the the difference is in the motivation. Is it about status or is it about purpose? You know, if we're here saving someone's life, then, you know, yeah, 100%, do that now. <laughs> uh, you know, that being directive is, is definitely part of authentic leadership. Um, but uh, and I, I, think, I think with Steve Jobs, you know, in that, in the early days, that visionary part of him was dominant, and yeah. and he was very very visionary. And the authenticity was he he didn't create a safe environment for everybody. There was definitely a safe environment for some, but not for others. I mean, he he had <laughs> he used this terrible language of A and B type people, and you know B type people were just they weren't weren't included in the game at all. So so. Uh, but later on, he he that was that was moderated, and and as I say, the Apple University became a much more inclusive thing. But that whole thing about being directive—you can be directive in a humane, empathetic way, or you can be directive 
A derogatory way, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, being directive in a derogatory way is just being abusive, isn't it? I mean, it, uh, it, no. I, I think again, what it comes back to is is whether it's whether it's the motivation is status or purpose. Yeah. If I'm being directive in order to make myself feel more important, yeah, uh, that's boss. That's 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 very boss style. <laughs> if if I'm being directive because there's some purpose that that you know requires. Being directive now, obviously, you can be directive in more polite and you can be directive in more effective and more less effective ways. And the, being directive is a skill as well. Yeah. So you know there are better ways of being directive and worse ways of being directive. Um, but but the principle of being directive is 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 a skill that that you know that authentic leaders need to be able to inhabit. And so I would say this: it, it's not that there are. It's not that. There's not that there's problems with authentic leadership in that sense, but there are skills. And and you know, if you're a the, the more skilled you are, the more effective you're gonna be. And of course that's you know, yeah. that's true if you're a cyclist or a basketball player or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I think that's um that can I just check in with you both because I'm I'm listening to this conversation and I'm just I'm I'm a little bit baffled, I have to admit, because and it, it, and it, I'm sure the the answer's there, but there's there's is is all, and maybe I haven't got the question quite right yet. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit baffled here. But in terms of authenticity, so what I'm getting is that leadership is a skill, and everyone can learn it. Mm-hmm. But to be authentic in your leadership, um, there's an element of understanding who you are. As a leader, but that doesn't make everyone the same type of leader because not everyone can be nice, not everyone is well, directive, not everyone is compassionate, not everyone is empathetic in their true selves. So, are we saying then that in order to be an authentic leader, these are the these are the skills you ne- you need to have, or is that the choice you're making that actually you don't need to? You can be directive if you choose, but that's a boss star leader basically. No. So, 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 what we haven't discussed or defined yet what personal authenticity is. So, okay. personal authenticity, personal, personal authenticity is knowing yourself and being it skillfully in all situations. So, even even under pressure, or especially under pressure. Mm-hmm. And 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 remember, authentic leadership is about enabling others to be the best version of themselves. So. If that requires the skill of compassion, then I then as an authentic leader, I need to I need to at least be able to master compassion as a skill, even if mm. I even if I don't even if it's not a sort of visceral part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and do you understand? Do you get that difference yeah. between? And that doesn't make I, you I, less I, authentic. Mm, mm, no, I suppose that that because. You know this. This Ishreen mentioned earlier about when it doesn't go well, and I wonder whether that's where is that where the tension starts emerging from your personal authenticity and. So, so the, the, uh, being authentic, and uh, this is a really important misconception about authenticity. Actually, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> uh, um, being authentic is not about letting whatever crazy shit is going on inside your head come out. Mm-hmm. That is not authenticity. Authenticity is being the best version of your knowing yourself and being the best version of yourself at all times, as mm-hmm. you know, as much as much of the time as possible. 
So so when people say, oh, he's just being authentic, that's not true. He's just being a... <laughs> I think that's a really important point for our for our listeners because if I'm struggling and getting baffled, then I know others will. So, yeah, yeah. so I'm really right. glad you right. you know you've just you've 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 clarified that actually, you know, saying that you're being authentic is not not an excuse to bring your crap to the table. Basically, that's not your best 100%. version of yourself. Is what we're saying exactly right. And 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 for for leadership, of course. You know, the, you're, you're, the, the, the imperative is to enable people to be the best version of themselves. So if you're just if you're just um, uh, venting, uh, that doesn't help people be the best version of themselves. Mm, and that's that where is the psychological the safety gets shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I- and and just go back to this point about being directive. So people do associate being directive with boss star leadership but again as i say it's a skill and it's a skill you deploy when it's necessary if there's a crisis if there's an emergency you know then and and it's very much about purpose then you know you can authentically be directive skillfully skillfully let's do it skillfully let's not you know let's not crush people with our directiveness let's empower people with it so i i do believe you can be directive without being a boss style leader, right? I, yeah, 100%. I think if you can learn to listen cleanly, if you can be emotionally resilient and, and really be accountable and, and do it with empathy and humility, I think those are the, the qualities that need to be developed if you want to be an authentic leader. Um, yeah. You know, the, I, I think that's what will enable you to have a, a more socially just and a high performing organization because people will speak up you will avoid all those kind of crazy accidents that can cost the organization and human beings so much if if you just open the channels both ways Um, does that make sense cammy have we kind of answered that yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I just think it's a, you know, it's it's necessary to bring out some of the myths that exist in talking about great. authentic leadership, yeah. and those yeah. are the sorts of questions that that don't get asked properly. You know, there are people are thinking about them, but they're not asking them. So, yeah. I thought I'd no, just no, bring that up, out. out and bring- Brilliant. It was really helpful. Really helpful. So, I just want to share my view as well about what it takes to build a culture where it's safe to be authentic, because I think we all three are really passionate about psychological safety in organizations. And I think if you're an authentic leader who wants to create a safe environment, I think, first of all, you need to know yourself. And Neil said this several times. I think you need to know yourself. You need to be clear on your purpose and your values. You need to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. You need to be comfortable with who you are. and, And knowing yourself is what enables you to do that and then be able to be yourself consistently. And if that's a directive style, look, just how can you do that in a humane and empathetic way? Um, I think you need to be able to build connection and and to be able to do that, you need to genuinely care about the person you're talking to or the people you're leading. And you need to be able to lead with compassion. And, And of course, integrity. And it's 
you know, this there's a whole thing about long-term and short-term focus. Neil, I want to have a conversation about that because a lot of people say authentic leadership is only appropriate when you've got a long-term focus. I'm not sure I agree with that. Oh, 100% not. No, I mean, so, so I mean, we, we believe in... Um, we believe very, very firmly in the principle of sustained success. So as Holos, we design everything that we do to, to achieve sustained success. And when I talk about sustained success, I'm, I'm thinking multi-generational success. Yeah. But that's not at the expense of short-term success. Yeah. Absolutely not. The, the, the challenge, I mean, the, the, the point you're making, Ishreen, is really well made, which is that uh, is this contrast between boss-style leadership, which only delivers short-term success? So, what people are noticing when they took when they say that when they when they criticise authentic leadership for being long-term, is that is is they're noticing this difference between boss-style leadership and authentic-style leadership, which is that boss-style leadership only delivers short-term success. And the, and the one of the books that I wrote with my business partner Mark is is called Stealing from the Future. Because it is that is what boss style leadership does. It 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 only achieves short term success by stealing from the future. So if you imagine that you're running a factory, for example, and and you want to achieve better results this year than ever before, so you cut back on maintenance, and then you have a bumper year, and you get promoted, and off you go. But the, those maintenance costs didn't go away. They you know they you've stolen that from the future. You've stolen that success from your from the person who comes after you. So, um, so boss style leadership only delivers short term success, whereas authentic style leadership delivers. I mean, if obviously skillful authentic leadership delivers both short term and long term success. And there's, I mean, of course, you know, if that authentic style leader is running the same factory. You know they're not going to achieve the same results in that first year because they didn't steal from the future. <laughs> so, so you know it, it's a completely false premise yeah. to to accuse authentic style leadership of only being long term. Yeah, yeah. In as much as authentic leaders don't steal from the future, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so there's something that needs to shift in the environment almost where you're not expecting. The kind of results only yeah. possible from stealing from. So, the- so the, I, I don't like to accuse one nation of doing something, but but the Americans have got into this habit of quarterly rep- results and quarterly reporting, and 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 of course that's sort of spread to other countries as well. And and I mean quarterly reporting drives quarterly behaviour, mm-hmm. uh, which of course, which of course does promote yeah. short-termism yeah. Uh, and if your if your personal um if you know if, if status is very important and your status is closely linked to your results then you know you can see the vicious circle yeah i'm, I'm working with an organization at the moment so part of a team and um they've asked me to have you know try and understand a little bit about um what makes this organization a good um, what would make them a better employer or something along those lines? So they want to, they want to really what they want to do is understand what's happening in their culture. Um, 
And it's been really interesting because just hit, listening to what you what you said just reminds me that for this particular organisation, they're a, you know they're a public institution. They're, they're they're using taxpayer funds and to do their work, and they're 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 very they've become, if I can say, they've wound up becoming an organisation that's trying to prove their own relevance. And the way that they're doing that is through um, mass production. Right. So they're they're producing and producing and producing. They've got short deadlines. They've got burnout. Everyone's tired, working evenings, weekends, because all these requests keep coming through for work, uh, for work to be done. And everyone's responding, but nobody's working together in cooperation. Everyone's doing their own thing in silos and complaining that, you know, they're not getting that support from other people. So all of this stuff is happening. And the, and the thing that I feel I keep coming back to is leadership. Where's the leadership in this? And I and I suspect I suspect I should put them your way, Neil, you know, um, <laughs> to talk about authentic leadership with them. But um, but I, I suspect that is the thing that is the thing that's missing is that there isn't there's too much boss style leadership, <laughs> everyone looking after their own interests, all being triggered because, you know, they don't actually have that long-term view. They don't have a vision. They don't have a direction that brings an, and a purpose, perhaps, that brings everyone together. Um, and I think, so, so, I, mean, and I do think I that, think that authentic leadership of, plays a part in that. I think that's the bit I would add to Ishreen's description earlier on is mm-hmm. of self-awareness is you need to understand your triggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to understand and, and and how to mitigate that and how to overcome it when you do get triggered and and you're exactly right you know those people that you're working with they're probably delightful lovely people they're not boss style leaders they are badly triggered uh because they're very stressed and it's it is it is about authentic leadership and and of course part of it is also structural so you know what how are the incentives built in how are the how are people rewarded how are people um taken care of structurally in the organization as well as, and of course leadership creates everything but but it's it's both the behavioral stuff and the structural stuff yes of uh, course, that you need to get right uh it's not just the behavioral stuff yeah and i think i think that's that's absolutely right i think you know having uh, you know the, the lack of looking after each other that the, you know the the lack of the processes, the systems that enable them to look after each other as well, um, mm. means that a lot of you know everyone's in it for themselves. So what does this mean for me and my position and my status? Um, so when how can I progress when, forward, regardless of my team and the impact on my on my team? There's a little bit of that going on, I think, as well. Yeah, and when when we talk about the best version of ourselves, we're typically talking about the interdependent version of ourselves which can be trusting vulnerable and collaborative and all of those things and when we get triggered we we go to the the first bit the first stage of triggering is to the independent version of ourselves which is competing with others is a is a much more sort of gang-like mentality it's sort of me against them or us against them and then if we get further triggered we get to a dependent level of maturity where where we, we're, we're really waiting to be told what to do. We're not able to take decisions. We're not able to have initiative. And, and what's happening psychologically is we're, we're shutting down bits of our brain as we do that. So you know, we, we move from when we're, when we're being interdependent, we're heavily working in our cerebral cortex. We're really able to think things through and be empathetic and caring and blah, blah, blah. 
when we get triggered, we are shutting down that cerebral cortex. We're working, working from a, a, a more primitive part of our brain. Um, and, and that's why we're operating more competitively. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it's, um, mm. it's, it's, it's powerful stuff. This, it's not like yeah. you can sort of, you know, it, it, without the awareness and the, and the skill, it's not like you can, you you can just sort of shift yourself consciously. Uh, you yeah. do, you yeah. do have to work at it. That's, that's um, where I'd like to go next in the conversation, Neil, is really, you know, when you're learning to be an authentic leader and when you're learning authentic leadership, what are the kind of challenges people face? What would you have to think about and pay attention to and, and you know, what might you trip up on? So I think, I think the most fundamental thing and the thing that uh, it most inhibits leadership in our society is that leadership requires vulnerability. So, mm-hmm. so leadership is fundamentally the skill of creating change. And change is about doing stuff we've never done before and we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And leading change is about taking people on that journey with us. And if we're going to take people on a journey to somewhere we've never been before and we don't know what it looks like, that, that, you know, that means we're going to make ourselves vulnerable. And, and we were all taught, one of the lessons we were taught very effectively at school, I think we all got A grades in this, is that making yourself vulnerable was a completely stupid thing to do. So, so all of us are deeply resistant to making ourselves vulnerable. And, and, I, and the, in a way, that is the first and greatest hurdle that, that you have to overcome with leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, and, and, and actually, I think, and of course, the, the, level of, the level of psychological safety in an organization makes that harder or easier. Uh, you know the 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 more the more psychologically safe an organisation is, the the lower that vulnerability bar is. Um, and then then you're into once you've got past that, then you're kind of into skills. So you know, like influencing skills and decision making skills and and prioritisation skills. One of the things that we say to uh, one we, one of the things we say is that one of your primary responsibilities in in leadership is to create bandwidth for yourself so what what very often happens in organize most organizations promote people because they're good at doing something operational they don't promote them because they're good at leadership they promote them because they're good at doing something operational so so the best salesperson becomes <laughs> becomes the sales leader or the sales manager and and yeah. And of course, we all get to our sense of self-worth from doing stuff that we're good at, not doing stuff that we're not good at. So, so what happens when you promote people who are good at doing something into leadership or management positions is that they keep doing that because that's where they get the sense of self-worth. And the, the leadership bit or the management bit, they do off the side of their desk if they do it at all. So what you find is, I mean, if you ask people how much of your time do you, and it's a very nebulous question, I get that. But if you ask people how much time do you spend doing operational stuff and how much time do you spend doing leadership, even quite senior people in organizations, the answer is typically 80% operational, 20% leadership. Well, you know, that doesn't work. Uh, so how... So, so one of the one of the primary responsibilities of leadership is that you've got to have the bandwidth to be strategic, 
Mm-hmm. If, you, if you don't have the bandwidth to be strategic, how on earth are you going to identify where you need to go next? So, so let, okay, first let's create that bandwidth. Let's let's and we do that by reducing the amount of time we spend doing being operational, which means we've got to be able to delegate. And of course, delegation is a skill um, because we don't want to be directive unless we have to. Uh, so we want to be we want to be finding skillful ways of engaging people with the opportunity of taking on tasks which are going to be developmental and 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 interesting and creative for them. Uh, we've got to be able to trust them uh, because we don't want to be micromanaging them and controlling them. Uh, we want, or even be desiring to control them. We want to be open to the idea that they're going to come up with a different solution to the one that we would have come up with, and that's great. That's a positive thing. Um, so, so that idea of of skillful delegation is really important. The skillful decision making, the visioning as a skill. I mean, visioning is something that. Uh, people find really difficult. Uh, again, it uses a different part of your brain, part part of your brain that people are not familiar with using. So, you know that 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 skill of being able to envision a future, um, and uh, so all of that, lots of lots of craft skills of leadership um, that that we work on. But the the primary bit is this bit about vulnerability. Yeah, I I. I... I tend to agree with that. It's, you know, if you're not used to having feedback and feedback's an important part of authentic leadership, it can be uncomfortable, right? And and um, what I've observed in people who are learning to be authentic leaders and, and really on that journey is that they might go and ask for feedback and they're like, but people are always saying nice things about me. And it's then you have to look at, who are you being that they can't tell you the truth, right? It's like, how do you create space for them to actually be honest with you? Decision-making requires us to be vulnerable. Uh, Creativity requires us to be vulnerable. Collaboration requires us to be vulnerable. All of these all of these core activities require us to be honest. How many organizations do we know who are incapable of making decisions? Yeah. They get into a decision-making meeting and all they do is go around in circles. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, they actually have an expression for it, which is admiring the problem. You know, the, and the reason, the reason is vulnerability because it is, it is vulnerable. hundred percent. Of course, you make yourself vulnerable when you make a decision. Yeah. Um, and and I guess you've got to be also be willing for, for there to be conflict because you know, if everybody's being authentic, they have you may find different opinions, but it's like how you manage through that conflict in an authentic way, right? I don't I don't think there needs to be conflict. I mean if you've if you've got a, a high functioning team. Uh, you can you you know you can disagree in in positive constructive ways. It doesn't need to be conflict, but but certainly if you if you feel it might end up being conflict, uh, that that would be a, a vulnerable place to be as well. Yeah, I guess I'm talking about sort of the high levels of conflict, not where you're kind of having fisticuffs, but where you're having you know robust disagreements in order to work through. A problem or work through a situation. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think I would distinguish there. So conflict is going to be about people being triggered because you're because that's independence. Mm. Uh, you know, you're into that competing mode. Yeah. Whereas if we're remaining interdependent, then mm. however much we disagree, our our um, our disagreement is going to be is going to remain at a purpose level. Yeah. How do we, you know, we agree we want to get over there. What we're disagreeing on is how we get over there. Exactly. Whereas when when you're getting into conflict, you're you're being triggered, mm-hmm. and now it's about status. It's yeah. about I'm right, you're wrong. So so no, I mean, if you're handling your 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 disagreement skillfully, uh, you're staying interdependent, you're staying at a purpose level, you're avoiding conflict. Um, but you know, of course, if you're if you've got to persuade someone who is, you know, who who spends most of their time at an interdepe- at an independent level um, of something, right. you know, yeah. you it will take a do- more skill yeah. to to keep them at that interdependent level or to get them to that interdependent level. Neil, I think you live too much of your life in that interdependent level. So I'm talking about people <laughs> who are learning. Um, interdependence who are, who are on that journey and whose organizations are on that journey. And I, I do see that in the early days, they have to learn how to manage that. They have to learn how to stay in the vision and the purpose and not fall back into independence and conflicts. 100%. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, you know, if you choose to, listeners, if you choose to put yourself on this journey, um, you know, what you may have to deal with in the early stages is is conflict from people who are independent and learn how to stand in the future, stand in the vision and, and bring them with you. So that's, I think, one of the challenges. And of course, you know, you might have to deal with how do you communicate um, when you make a mistake or if you're struggling around some priorities in the early days. I think you know, these are the kinds of things that we we work through with our clients and help them to get to a stage where they can stand in authentic leadership and and listen from and speak from an inter- interdependent stance rather than um, an independent stance, which is 100%. and 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 all change happens at the habit level. So and and when we're you know the, the what we're talking about here what you're talking about here are our habits yeah uh, you know we have a habit of getting into conflict with people or i have a habit of of being triggered to being independent yeah. uh, and and so if we want to change that habit it's like changing any other habit you first have to become aware that you want to change the habit and then you have to bring your awareness to before the moment of choice so you know i've got this difficult conversation i'm going to have and and i'm actually choosing to to stay at that interdependent level uh, and to and to not get sucked down into the into the independent level into that conflict yeah. and uh, and that and and you know the, the first time you try it of course you're gonna you're not gonna manage it you know you it's gonna happen and you're gonna think ah, I did it, I did it again I got caught out again and the second time maybe you know like, oh I got caught out again but maybe by the third time or the fourth time you're able to you're able to hold to that best version of yourself and it it is it is you know that onion um metaphor you know this is totally about the layers of the onion and you know when you start on this journey you 
uh, you, you're operating on this one level of the onion and you you know you figure that one out and then there's another layer underneath that and you figure that one out and there's another layer of you know I'm still on I've still got layers of onion to go you know you you work through these layers of the onion uh, to to find you know to to be that authentic best version of yourself in as many situations as possible yeah um, and you still get caught out of course you do so how do you spot when you're in an environment of inauthentic leadership, where the <clears throat> where the culture is prevalent, uh, the the prevalent culture is boss style. How do you spot? What are people doing? What are people saying? Cami, I'd love your oh, so one of the, as well. Mm-hmm. My, sorry, you love my. Mm. So so um, one one of the things I love about psychological safety is I mean although it sounds a bit like psychobabble. Um, when you when people think about it for a moment, they're very aware of the experience of psychological safety or lack of psychological safety. And so I, I think in a way, psychological safety, that feeling of I'm not sure I can really say that or I'm not really sure I can do that or be that, that feeling that we've all had so many times, that is that's your canary in the coal mine. That is your litmus test. If you don't feel like you can be yourself, yeah. uh, you're in you're in an environment which lacks authenticity. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I don't I don't disagree with that. I think you know psychological safety is absolutely those moments where where we hesitate, you know, when and that hesitation occurs. But some you know often I don't think people think about that hesitation. They just don't talk. They yeah. don't speak up. Yes. Oh, exactly. And that's yeah. that's as much as about the environment that they're in, as much as it is about themselves and what their own personal experience and yeah. values and it and and so on is all about. So there's it's it's quite quite complex in in some some ways, but simple in others. Yeah, like simple things you can do to spot when you're not in a place of authentic leadership. I I think is you know if you. Sp- if people are spending so much time talking about how busy they are and they've got not any space in their diaries, um, usually, you know, they're trying to cover something up. Um, if they're using buzzword jigsaw, you know, you know, buzzword jigsaw. Uh, in, not heard of that. So they're using app- buzzword bingo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So language that doesn't. But I mean, I'm I'm very introverted, and and if I go to a social situation like a party. Uh, you know, if someone includes me right at the beginning, if someone <clears throat> like the host int- includes me, introduces me to someone, you know, set, sets me off on the right track, you know, then I feel psychologically safe. If I'm in a social situation and I'm just sort of, you know, I, I'm sort of going in there uh, naked and and um, without support, I don't feel psychologically safe. So, so you know, Cammy, you were talking about us, you know, who we are as a person. I, as a, as an introvert, you know, I find those situations difficult. Mm. It's not it's not actually because people are being unpleasant or anything, but I, but I, you know, you we need to be positively included. A lot of us, yeah. uh, some people don't need to be so positively included. But you know, actually, when we when we come into a room, when we come into a meeting or a, a team or whatever, you know, if someone, you know, it's a, that's a difficult time for anyone. And and if if people reach out positively and, and include us actively, 
it makes a huge difference. We, does, I'm sorry, yes. I know you want to. I know we need to wrap up, but there was a, a, a we 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 played a game with a client years ago, where it was all about inclusion. It was a really lovely inclusion exercise. So we would we had we had teams at tables playing dingbats, which is a, a, a sort of cognitively challenging game to play. And we'd for each table, we'd taken one person away from that table before the game started. And then we started the game. And these people are playing dingbats. The people we'd taken away, we gave them the answers. And we said, go back to your table. If you feel included, you can tell people the answers. If you mm. don't feel included, don't give them the answers. When these people went back to the tables, and there were like 20 tables when we did it the first time, how many teams do you think included the newcomer? They were busy. They were cognitively loaded. How many of those teams do you think made that newcomer Not feel many. included? Not, Not one. Many. Not but one. None. So, you know, and, and of course you can blame them and you can say blah, blah, blah. But actually, you know, that discipline of including people when we're busy is challenging. But, but it's a, again, it's another habit we need to develop. Because if we don't include them, that person who has the answers uh, doesn't get included in the game. Mm -hmm. So I had a question that's been emerging around um, bringing the whole self to work. So you've talked all about authentic leadership and to be your true self and true self being your best version of yourself. And organisations now talk about with their staff, their workforce, their people, um, bringing your whole self to work. And for me, that means the organisation needs to be ready for the whole self. I suspect the, what I've understood from this conversation is that to be your whole self is the best version of yourself. Um, but I do wonder what you make of that, Neil, um, in terms of this idea of bringing your whole self to work um, the, you know, and, and being authentic um, and, and your best um, version I of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to, I would like to interpret those two as being the same thing. I mean, I think that's a positive interpretation. Uh, you know, if if being bringing your whole self to works work means letting whatever crazy stuff is going on in your head out at any moment, uh, I don't think that's a very positive interpretation. Um, it's it, it you know it's a linguistically it's a, it's a legitimate interpretation, um, which which is perhaps why I prefer. Uh, I prefer authenticity as a as a direction as a as terminology, um, because I think you can you can you can interpret that more tightly as as this best version of yourself. Um, but I, but look, I mean, I think the principle of bringing your whole self to work, you know, not 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 edit, not sort of filtering out great chunks of who you are of. You know, being able to be passionate about stuff. You know, I'm I'm <laughs> I, I'm passionate about cycling, and I manage to include cycling in my work quite a lot, actually. Um, you know, that's I, I think that's okay. You know, that you know, bringing that excitement and passion that we have for music or singing or arts or creativity or whatever it might be, bringing that into our work is is is, is very positive. Should be very positive. So, uh, and and of course. You know, bringing bringing family and uh, and and challenges that we've got going on at home in a, in an appropriate way. You know, if we're if we're exhausted because we've got young children or something, we shouldn't have to cover that up. I think one of the one of the joys of of 
us doing going virtual um, has been when you know dogs and kids have come into meetings and stuff like that. And and actually, it's been much more embraced and oh, at least in my experience, it's been much more accepted and embraced than I think people feared it would be previously. Neil, um, if I may, I think the challenge is when you're not from the mainstream culture and you're mm. your authentic self to work or your whole self to work and mm. will bring their authentic whole selves to work, but then the culture of the organization doesn't understand or accept certain behaviors or certain uh, ways of dress or, you know, so that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, so, so I think I love it. I love it when, um, when minority cultures get celebrated uh, in, in majority cultures. Mm-hmm. So um, when years ago, when I was at Razorfish, there's a, uh, there's a scan, we had a, we had a, a, a small but significant uh, contingent of Scandinavians in the office at the time. And they, I can't remember what it was called, Santa Santa Christina or something. They were just before Christmas. They would celebrate this thing, and they, that involved them all walking down the office wearing sort of white uh, sheets over them and carrying candles and singing a song. And they would do that. Mm-hmm. And and increasingly, you know, you 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 in offices you get um, celebrations of Eid and uh, and of. Uh, Hanukkah and and so on, so uh, and and pride and all these things. So I think increasingly, I, I remember when we were working with um, with Barclays, you know, they were they had a tremendous thing around pride that went on. So I think you know, I I I, I think they, these are really positive, and I, and again, exactly like being positively included into a party or being positively included into a meeting, you know. Um, Finding ways to positively include cultures is wonderful. Yeah, I, I think this is more, um, I think it's probably a conversation for a whole nother time, Neil. <laughs> Which, it's more about the subtleties. Um, well, I mean, this is the work that you and I are doing right now uh, yeah. of, of celebrating culture exactly. at an individual level. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. So how, how do we help those people to feel included, help us to feel included when we bring our whole self to work? Um, yeah. Neil, that, we've covered a lot of ground. We've done, a, you know, we've, we, in, in nine, under 90 minutes, we've covered a whole lot of material. I really appreciate you and I appreciate the time you've taken to share with us your experiences of authenticity um, at work and authentic leadership and um, your vast um, knowledge in this subject area. And clearly, um, you know, having authentic leadership as a, as a style and interdependence in organizations is what's going to increase social justice at work. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Neil. That's Amazing great. conversation. I've learned a lot. Yes. I'll be taking away thank- a few things. <laughs> thank you very much. Cammy, you need to run off, don't you? I do, I do. If you want to do the quick fire questions, carry on, but I'll I'll, I'll cut this bit out when you yeah. when you've um. Yeah. You All right, five or ten minutes. Yeah, sure. I'm uh, okay. I've prepared. Enjoy the questions. Thanks, Cammy. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.
So Neil Cammy's had to go, but so I get to ask you all the quick fire questions, which is actually our favorite bit of the podcast, right? <laughs> it really is because we get to know a little bit about authentic you, right? Um, yeah. So um, Neil, what privilege story has impacted you the most? Um, I I have to say it's my own. Uh, I'm I'm very aware of and 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 somewhat guilty i mean it, it's a difficult balance that but i i do feel a level of guilt about the degree of privilege that i have and i feel that within that privilege i have an absolute responsibility to to give back uh and to sort of in a way mitigate my privilege and 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 privilege others um so so but it, no 100% it's my own privilege story i mean it, you know it's a bit hackneyed isn't it white male british blah 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 but um but yeah no I, there's no doubt that i've i've been privileged in my life and, and but, i have to privilege others with that and that's the thing isn't it what we find in working with uh, leaders in organizations specifically is that guilt and shame thing that needs to be discussed and worked through so that you can do what we call, and you know, Barclays had that brilliant value, right? Stewarding. And, and what yeah. I'm doing is stewarding your privilege. Yeah, yeah. You know, 100%. Yeah. So I didn't weird. say shame, by the way, just guilt. <laughs> but okay, I, I brought that in. Because we have some leaders who. That. Thank you. <laughs> so, what's the latest book that you've been reading that's inspired you, Neil? So uh, actually, it's it's, it's uh, related. Um, so it's called the Book of Trespass, uh, and it is about how uh, how the British how British history the last thousand years of British history has been about privileged people, uh, very physically and and literally deprivileging others. Um, it, so it's the Book of Trespass. It's about how um, how people have been excluded from the land by people with privilege. Um, so uh, from the Norman conquest, landowners literally stealing the commons, the land that was commons, and fencing it in and and creating this concept that you shouldn't be here. Um, wow. Yeah, very, very powerful book, really worth reading. I have to check that one out. I've got I've got a new Audible um, credit, so I'm yeah. going to definitely. Book of uh, Trespass. I think it's Nick, Nick Hayes, I think. Yeah. Well, look, we can Google that up. The Book of Trespass. There you go, readers. Something definitely to have a have a de- delve into. Um, Neil, what's your favourite indulgence? Um, probably expensive bikes and expensive cycling kit. Okay. I, I I can literally be tempted by anything. <laughs> and who has inspired you most to do what you do um I, this is a difficult question i it, a, my original inspiration was actually an article so my original inspiration for well probably for all of this actually was an article in fast company mm-hmm. in about 1997 uh, about authentic leadership i don't actually know who wrote it I haven't been able to find it again since, um, but uh, it was yeah that was the that was the origin and and it's been a 
a journey of exploration ever since. Beautiful. So that predates what everybody says is um, the source of authentic leadership, which is 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which So in 2003, um, Mm -hmm. I wrote my first book about authenticity, and that was the same year that um, True North came out. Uh, I can't remember the author. And there were, there were two or three, there were three or four books that came out that year. Yeah. But the concept, I think, was around way before the books were written. No, right? yeah. I don't think we can claim that. <laughs> um, if you had unlimited resources to put together the ultimate resource for making sure organisations were equitable, what would that be? I'd said it before, authentic leadership is the only superpower that can save the world. So it would be whatever, I mean, can, can I have any, can I have a whole, can I have universities in every country? Can I have that sort of thing? Yeah, that'd be great. Teaching leadership to young people. Yeah. And that's what I do. Yeah. Love it. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us. Our intention is to bring you new insights about the impact of power, privilege and purpose at work for you and for your organisation. You can check out our episode description for social media accounts and don't forget to send in your questions and you can send those to our email equitychampions at belongingpioneers.com. We look forward to sharing more about power, privilege and purpose at work with you on this podcast. Now, if you got value, please remember to share it with your networks. Please leave us a review. And as Cami said, please do remember to send us any questions that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye.